All right. That is such a rich song. Such a rich song. So much gospel truth that oozes from, from, that, from that song. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, glad you guys could make it out this morning. I'm excited to be with you. I am not Nathan Williams. <laughs> it's like, yeah, brother, we get that because your melanin count is a little higher, right? Um, but again, I'm excited to be with you guys uh, sharing in the ministry of the word. Um, excited to dive in what we're going to dive into this morning. If you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, you know that Nathan is going through a series on um, how about some good news. And he just finished up the second part of that series the second part is focusing on defining the gospel, defining the gospel. Uh, it's certainly been a rich series, and I've enjoyed it in many ways, and I'm sure you guys have enjoyed it as well. I sent him a text over the week, uh, and I told him, man, that that series has been fire. It has been fire. And uh, obviously, you know, when, in sending the text and saying that it was, it was fire, I included that fire emoji. That, that legitimizes it, right? Totally legitimizes it. But I've enjoyed it. And certainly looking forward to having him back next week, and if not next week, then certainly the week after, uh, and jumping back into that series. However, this morning, we're not going to be in that series. Uh, we're going to actually take a pause and spend some time in a book that I, I believe provides some clarity for how, to, for how we're to live in light of the, the good news that we've received, the good news that we've been learning about. And uh, I'm looking forward to our time in, in, in Second Peter. Uh, so let's just dive into it. Um, growing up, many of you know that I'm from Virginia. I am from Virginia, and uh, I'm a DMV guy, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. And that's just the way that the Lord has outfitted me. That's just how I rock. And uh, that's how I live my life. Um, and so, you know, growing up, um, I had, I had five siblings, and uh, I have five siblings, and four boys, one girl, and uh, my, my siblings and I, um, we were very much so into athletics, very much so into athletics, and I wasn't an avid reader growing up, functional reader, but not an avid reader. I wasn't the type of guy where, you know, if you were to see me, uh, outside of my element, you wouldn't see me with my head in a book. Um, I just wasn't that type of guy growing up in elementary, in middle school. Functional reader, definitely. Uh, but what's interesting is that, uh, you know, going to college and even into my adult life, all of that began to change, right? Um, I, I, I love a good story. Love a good story. When my kids were younger, my wife and I, we've got four kids, Alexia, Ethan, Eliana, and Eli. Um, when my kids were younger, um, I think Ethan was all of maybe three or four. Certainly, Ethan, correct me on that if I'm wrong. Uh, but when they were younger, I read through the Chronicles of Narnia with them. And I thought, man, this is such an amazing story. There's so much symbolism in it. And I just, I just loved uh, just how the plot was developed, love, uh, just the character formation, love where the story went. And I'm, I'm saying that because, you know, when you think about plot development with stories specifically, what's 
what, what I find fascinating about some types of literature is when I come across a character who has to reconcile like their own mortality. And I know that sounds grim, but they're, they, they, they've got to reconcile their own, their own mortality. And while they're doing so, they're having these conversations with loved ones. And these conversations, um, it's, it's to, to admonish these loved ones in what matters most. And again, I, I, I like stories that kind of have that element to it. Uh, and what, what really intrigues me about stories like this is that there, there are just wonderful moments, dope moments for plot development. Love it. But then along with that, I love how these conversations, they bring into perspective, uh, they give us perspective more so, and they bring into focus things that can be neglected. They bring into focus things that can, that can be neglected. And today we're going to jump into a text um, that, that does just that. The author writes to that end. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Peter, and we're going to actually read um, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 15, but our time today, we're going to actually focus on verses 3 through 11. So again, I'm going to read uh, the first 15 verses of chapter 1 but we're going to focus specifically on verses 3 through 11. All right. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained the faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, verse 12, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. 
since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Verse 15, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Amen. Let's pray. Father, um, you are so good, so good to us. Father, I pray that as we're gathered this morning and we, uh, we hear your word preached, God, I pray that you would stir afresh your truth in us. And as you stir afresh your truth in us, God, I pray that it would enliven our faith for the glory of your name. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So our, our text, it, it comes from a man who has a sober grasp of his mortality. It comes from Peter. He's a, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And what's, what's of great importance to him is the, the, the spiritual health of the letter's recipients. That's what's of great importance to him. And th this letter, it's, it's only three chapters, but it is pastoral in nature. Um, Peter has a deep desire for the, the, the recipients of his letter to, to be spiritually healthy. But also within the letter, P Peter identifies dangers that exist to oppose and impede that, that growth, their spiritual health. And this is expressed at the, at the end of the book. So if you turn, just turn one page over, go to chapter three. I'm gonna read verses uh, 17 through 18. This is a, a summary statement for 2 Peter. And it reads, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. To him be glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. So with our time this morning, I know I just read a lot, read the first 15 verses. I'm not going to like preach through each verse, right? So I know you guys are like, oh man, I'm relieved, relieved by that, right? But with our time this morning, I want to take a 30,000 foot view over verses three, verses three through 11. And uh, I want to consider three truths that, that Peter intends for his readers to recall and stir afresh. For, for the sake of their spiritual health. Let me say it this way. Three truths that Peter intends for his readers to recall and stir afresh for the sake of their growth in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And we have a first truth in verses three through four. And that first truth is to recall and stir afresh what God has done through Christ. Again, this is in verses three and four. And let me just say this, this passage, this passage specifically, it is pregnant with rich gospel truths. And this passage could very easily be, it's literally, it could very easily be its own series. Very easily be its own series. But I, I wanna just take some time to highlight three realities uh, that, that, that Peter mentions for those whom, whom God has called to himself 
uh, and made alive through Christ. So we're going to look at just really quickly just three realities in verses 3 through 4 for, go, for those whom, whom God has made alive through Christ. The first reality is that within the good news, we have everything that we need to sustain us, to develop us, and to grow us in the Christian life. How so? Well, Peter says he's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, how, how does that come about? He says it's through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. This is about being called, being called to God's own glory and excellence. Uh, this is about saving knowledge about who God is and what he's done through Christ as revealed in scripture. And Peter is saying, look, you don't, you don't have to go outside of the gospel to get what you, what you need. Within the gospel, we have everything that pertains to life and godliness. Here's the second reality. And again, we're just unpacking verses three and four. Through the good news, he's granted his precious and very great promises. Think about that. Through the good news, God has granted his precious and very great promises. Now, we've been learn, learning over the past couple of weeks um, that the, the, the promises of Scripture, they begin with a promise. Think about that. The promises of Scripture begin with a promise. And that promise begins in Genesis 3, where there's the promise of the offspring who's going to crush the head of the serpent He's going to rescue, redeem, and restore what's been lost. And I love how Paul, how he frames it in 2 Corinthians 1.20. He says, all of the promises of God, they find their yes and their amen in Christ Jesus. So again, that's the second reality. Here's the third reality. Because of the good news, we become partakers of the divine nature. Now, what does Peter mean by that? Let me tell you what he doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we become God. It's not what he's saying. He's not saying that we become a God, right? But he's also not saying that we become part of God. Here's where he's going with this. He's saying that the life of God has come into our souls and it changes our affections and appetites. And this is all of God. We've become partakers of the divine nature. And with these three realities in verses three through four, uh, what, what, what Peter is communicating here is foundational to uh, spiritual health and maturity. Peter is literally saying, look, we need to, we need to treasure and rejoice in the gospel. Because when we treasure and rejoice in the gospel, when we recall and stir afresh what God has done for us through Christ, it humbles us. It produces a heart of thankfulness to God, and it leads to, to greater dependency on him. I want to say this about the Christian life. In the Christian life, we, we, we mature, we grow up by growing down. We mature and grow up by growing down in humble dependence on what God has done for us through Christ. It is impossible to grow in Christ if we are not breathing in the gospel. 
breathing in his, his mercy and breathing out that amazing grace. And you know what's interesting is that with the next truths that we're going to cover, this, this truth here, it, it totally impacts the next two truths. And you'll see. And if, if you're unable to put that together, uh, by the time I'm done, just come, come talk with me afterwards. And we can connect and collect the dots. All right? Let's look at the second truth that, that Peter intends to remind his readers of. And it's that he wants them to recall and stir afresh that they have a need for Christ to be formed in them. And, it said, and we're going we're to read verses 5 through 7. And it reads, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Peter, Peter is essentially saying that this, this, this heart of thankfulness for the gospel, it's evidenced by making every effort for Christ to be formed in us. Now, the, the, the phrase, make every effort, uh, it carries with it a sense of urgency. It's not casual. It's not passive. And I love what, what Thomas Schreiner, how, how he slices this verse. He says, the indicative of God's grace it precedes and undergirds the imperative that calls for human exertion. And just think about that. Here's a command here. Make every effort. But consider the indicative of God's grace. It undergirds and precedes the imperative for human exertion. Sounds a lot like Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Here's what it reads. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now... Not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here's the thing. It is God. It's God who's at work in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure. Now, this is, this is helpful for us to consider because we don't want to mistake Peter for going in the direction of, of like works righteousness. That, that's not the direction that he's going. This is, about, this is about us proactively taking part in the glorious process, if you belong to Jesus, in the glorious process of sanctification. Sanctification is, is the lifelong work of responding in obedience to Christ. And, and that is the paradigm of the Christian life. Right? You, it doesn't matter if you're 78, 68, on down to 8. If you belong to Jesus, you're, you're invited to get to work, right? You're invited to get to work. And we do all of this by and through God's grace. But I want to just kind of unpack something a little bit more um, with, 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 with the virtues. Uh, because when, when we look at this particular passage, there are seven virtues that are being laid out. And I think just like the other section, that this particular passages, verses 5 and 7, that too can be a series in and of itself. Uh, we see Peter contextualizing and bringing up these virtues. And, and again, on the outset, uh, it's like, okay, I know this is not works righteousness, but is it behavior conformity? No, it's not behavior conformity. 
is, it's not behavior conformity because behavior conformity is, is superficial and external. And what Peter is emphasizing, it's not behavior conformity, but belief conformity. Because belief conformity is deep and internal. And belief conformity, it penetrates and shapes the heart, the mind, and the will. Belief conformity is biblical Christianity. Belief conformity, it evidences true saving faith. I'm going to say a little bit more about these virtues. Um, There's like this scholarly debate going going on as to whether or not, uh, you know, are the virtues and do they go in ascending order? I don't know. I'll let you guys decide. I don't think they go in ascending order. Um, But I do think it can be said that these virtues are not uh, independent of one another, right? They're, they're, they're they're, They're not happening in a vacuum. They're not in isolation of one another. I think what's also clear about these virtues is that they give a perfect picture for the character of Christ perfect picture. And, and I think this is huge because when we consider what, what, what Peter is, is summoning his readers to, right? he's saying, look, we, we need to see our need for Christ to be formed in us. I think that what this confronts uh, for them, and I think certainly for, for, for us, is our tendency toward spiritual apathy. There are times where you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> There are times where we can just be disengaged and disconnected from from doing that very thing. It's kind of like, you know, we've got the new year coming up and 2021, we're looking forward to that, right? Absolutely. And everybody with a mask says, amen, right? But we're looking, (laughs) we're looking forward to 2021. And, uh, you know, often during the new year, uh, we make New Year's resolutions, and for many people, when they make these New Year's resolutions, they they some of you know their resolution is to you know get healthy, right? And it's interesting too, like when we make these New Year's resolutions, that we 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 start off strong, but then we peter out, right? Begin to peter out. We start off with our accountability partner, and we're going three, four, maybe five, maybe possibly seven days strong. But then we get the call, hey, man, you want to go to the gym? Nah, man, not today. Not today. And again, we begin to peter out. We become disconnected and disengaged. And again, just going back to what Peter is saying here in verses 5 and 7, 5 through 7, he's urging them for the sake of their spiritual health to, to recall and refresh their need for Christ to be formed in them. They need to recognize, look, this is not, this is not passive. It's not passive. It's, 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 it's not the consequence of indifference. It's the consequence of intentionality and proactiveness. But I want you to consider this before we go to the next, the next truth. This is the last thing I'll say about the virtues. These, these virtues, they flourish in community. They flourish in community. And that's why I think an argument can be made that they're, they're not uh, in a vacuum. They're not isolated. They, they're realized in the mundane, not the spectacular. They're realized in your home. They're realized in your marriage. They're realized on your job. And, and, and they're, they, they, these, these virtues, they, they prove themselves in the hard places of life. 
know about you guys, but I've got some hard places in life, right? Some hard places. I'm a mess in process, but I'm grateful that the Lord isn't, he's not done with me. And he'll complete the work that he started in me. And the same can be said of you. He's completing his work. All right? So that's the second, that's the second truth. We need to recall and stir afresh our need for Christ to be formed in us. And again, this is just a 30,000 foot view over verses 3 through 11. All right? So let's look at the, 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 the final truth, the third and final truth that Peter intends for his readers to recall and stir afresh. And we see it in verses 8 through 11. They're to recall and stir afresh the outcome of perseverance. The outcome of perseverance. Verses 8 through 9, Peter says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities, so nearsighted, he's blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Peter says that if you, if you lack the qualities that were mentioned in verses 5 through 7, you're blind to the gospel. You are blind to the gospel. And what he's emphasizing here is that an effective and fruitful gospel witness, it comes by way of perseverance. And the way by which we persevere in the Christian life is actually living like forgiven sinners. Let me say that again. Let me say that one more time. Sounds so nice, I want to say it twice. But an effective and a fruitful gospel witness, it comes by way of perseverance. And the way by which we persevere in the Christian life is actually living, living like a forgiven sent sinner. Where you see gospel witness, it is the result of Christ's character being formed in his people. And this is the fruit of perseverance. Where you see that, Christ's character is being formed. It's the fruit of perseverance. Perseverance, without a doubt, is a proof that God is at work in our lives. Let me say that again. Perseverance, without a doubt, is, is proof that God is at work in our lives. When we are grieved over sin, when we, begin to, we begin to confess sin, and we have greater affections for God and his word and his people, this indicates that God, dear friend, is at work. God is at work. And this is characteristic of, of all who, who persevere. God is at work. I want us to look at verse 10, because we're nearing the end of our passage. Peter says in verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail, fall. And I think it's helpful when, when we look at verse 10 specifically, uh, you know, it, with, when you're working through uh, the, the passages of scripture, anytime you see a therefore in scripture, you need to like pause and see what it's there for. Right? Everybody knows that. Amen. All right. And so ver verse 10 links to verse 9. And Peter, Peter is essentially saying, in light of what's been said, 
Look, I'm urging you to, conf- to, to confirm your calling and election. That's, that's quite the phrase. I don't think Peter mentioned that phrase for us to get in like theological debates about election. Actually, Peter, Peter believes in it. He's, he's, he's like, yeah, this election chosen by God. I don't think he mentioned that phrase for that specifically. I think it seems to be the case that what, what Peter is saying is that when it comes down to confirming your calling and election, it's about you making a decisive action that's repeated again and again and again and again that validates that you've been chosen by God. You making decisive actions that are repeated again in the mundane places of life and again in the hard places of life and again that validates that you've been accepted to him through Christ. Peter says when you do this, you will never fall. Now, I do want to deal with that statement there. What do you mean, Peter? I'm never going to fall. I'm never going to stumble. Peter, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a great sinner in need of a great savior. And I know I sin, Peter. What, what, what Peter's not saying, he's not saying that, you know, you not falling uh, is synonymous with you arriving at a state of sinlessness. That's not what he's saying. Because the context, verses 8 through 11, the context that, that he's giving this statement, the context is, is perseverance. The language around this has everything to do with perseverance. And as you validate again and again and again, the God who chose you, the God who elected you, the God who accepted you through Christ, you persevere. You persevere. I want to end on verse 11 and... Um, because we've been talking a little bit about perseverance. And the, the, the outcome of perseverance is stated in verse 11. The outcome of perseverance is, is oriented around a future hope. Look at verse 11. I want to read that verse. Verse 11 says, For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In light of that future hope, Peter is saying, recall and stir afresh the outcome of perseverance. Recall and stir afresh the the, the trajectory, as Paul would say, that has this trajectory that has a weight of glory that's beyond all comparison. In light of that, in light of the, the rich welcome that you're going to receive, think about that, a rich welcome that will received by, by our Lord into his kingdom. Peter is saying, validate again, again, and again. Confirm your calling and election because Christ is worthy. He's worthy. And as you do this, my friends, as you do this in the mundane places, in the hard places, do it with joy. Do it with joy in light of what's been accomplished 
by God and in light of what's to come. Amen? In light of what's to come. Now, there's, there's certainly so much more that can be said about this text. Again, we read through 15, 15 verses, right? And I kind of like took that 30,000 foot view and kind of touched down here and there. Um, but again, I, I wanted to go that route because I do think in terms of like, like organizing principle and just you know, us being able to handle the text in a, in a, a faithful way. I think, I think it's helpful for us to consider what Peter is actually reminding his readers of. And, and as we come to a close with, with those reminders, my, my, my hope is that um, we would actually recall and stir afresh what God has done through Christ that we would actually recall and stir afresh our, 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 our need for Christ to be formed in us, that we would actually recall and stir afresh the outcome of our perseverance. I pray that we would act, that, that, that would actually resonate within us. Right? We don't have to wait until Thursday to be thankful and to reflect on all that God has done for us. No, we don't have to wait for that for, for Thanksgiving. As, as a gospel people, we, we should operate out of thankfulness for what God has done. So we don't have to wait for that. We can just enter into it. I pray that we would reflect on these truths this week. I pray that as, as we reflect on them, man, I pray that we would, our, 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 our faith would be enlivened and our hearts would actually be stirred afresh. That we wouldn't take this time as we're gathered as a, I clocked in and I did my business. It's not what this time is about. I pray that we would actually take these truths to heart and that we would actually recall what God has done and that it would be stirred afresh in our hearts, be stirred afresh in such a way to where in the details of life that we validate again and again and again. And I would say you say, but don't worry about that. But we would validate again the wisdom and goodness of the one who called us to his own glory and excellence. Let's pray. Father, there's uh, so much more that could be said. And uh, I'm grateful, God, that you have preserved your word. You've given us your word to be a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path. And I'm grateful that we can be reminded of these truths that we covered today. I pray that we would recall and stir afresh what you've done, what you've accomplished for us through Christ. Might we see our need as we do that for Christ to be formed in us? And might we consider the outcome of perseverance? Might we consider what it's rooted in, which is a future glory? I pray that that would be so in our lives. Help us to validate your grace and your goodness again and again and again. Help us to validate it, God, in the mundane. Help us to validate it in the details of life. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.